Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Today, a review of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 9, All Those Who Wander. Hey, this is no longer Ensign Earl Grey. My name is Jack Dorino. Oh, Major? It's non-disclosed right now. Oh, okay. I haven't quite decided uh, where next to lend my talents. Right now I'm working for the uh, FNN. Oh. As a journalist covering the adventures of the Starship Enterprise in the uh, 23rd century. (laughs) Which happens to be what we're reviewing today. The ninth episode of Strange New Worlds. It was released on the 30th of June in 2022. It is the 852nd of all episodes of Star Trek. This episode was written by Davey Perez, and the director was Christopher J. Byrne. The start date was 2510.6, here still in the year 2259. During a mission to deliver vidium power cells to Deep Space Station K-7, the crew of the Enterprise paused to celebrate three of their own. Cadets Chia and Uhura for completing their training rotation, and Ensign Duke receives a promotion to lieutenant. Of course, the festivities and their mission to K-7 are interrupted with a priority mission. Approximately four days ago, the USS Peregrine, a Sombra-class ship, activated a distress beacon before losing contact. The Peregrine had been forced to make an emergency landing on an L-class planet known as Vallejo Beta 5. The crew are sent to investigate. The Enterprise heads off to deliver the supplies to Space Station K-7 while we send two shells down to the planet. Mm -hmm. It turns out that there was a Gorn invasion aboard the ship, and that's what necessitated an emergency landing on the planet. Mm. As our crew is basically wandering around the ship all split up. (laughs) Divide and conquer. The Gorn does a a chest pop out of this alien that we meet down on the planet about whom I'll have questions in a moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, that Gorn infection spreads to Hemmer. Uh, We eventually defeat all of the Gorn, but by the end of the episode, we have lost Hemmer to the Gorn, who, you know, dies in a very dramatic and spectacular fashion. And uh, La'an has decided to go off uh, following the trail of uh, a Gorn trail, a Gorn rabbit hole, as it were. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Uhura's decided to stay with us. We lose uh, Ensign... Ensign Duke? Well, yes, we lose... You can't call him Ensign Duke. Oh, uh, I, I owe Ensign Duke owe him a, drink. a drink now. I owe Lieutenant Duke two drinks now. Yeah. And uh, and uh, we also lose Ensign Chia, or Cadet Chia. I'm not sure Cadet what Chia, yeah. Now, I would assume that's her last name. I'd be interested to have learned her first name. But another thing sure. about red shirts on... the the show is yes they never get first names either <laughs> this is this is interestingly true or they rarely do i had a friend over mm-hmm. he was watching this episode with me in preparation for doing the podcast and it was he who pointed out that hammer is indeed a red shirt yes i mean we all knew this from the beginning of the series well we you and i on this show earl discussed this actually we we did a little a little math on who we could lose by the end of the season. Yeah, also by the end of the series. Sure, I think you landed on Hemmer as being the one most likely to go. I expected Laon because remember I was saying that I expected them to build, you know, I was going to 
continue to dislike her and dislike her, and then all of a sudden she was going to sacrifice herself for us. So that would have been the obvious route to, to me for them to go, but they chose a yes. different route, but still got rid of her. Yeah. So like you dislike her so much, but then in the last episode, you, you they make you start to like her just enough that you actually cry when she dies. So this is exactly what they did, though. Like they in in this episode was the first time that she made me laugh. Okay. Now what was that? Was there did did you make that her the funniest line? I did. There was the time sort of towards the beginning when they're having their their observation lounge session at breakfast yeah. which seems to be a common thing aboard the ship mm -hmm. Laon is very businesslike and doesn't want to eat and then she's still being very businesslike and, and then starts to eat and then she says oh my god this is delicious <laughs> it actually made me laugh out loud and i was like oh look what they did <laughs> they made me like Laon a little bit this is whack yeah indeed the title was the first thing that caught my eyes slash ears mm -hmm. for this episode it's called all those who wonder mm -hmm. and i knew that it was familiar to me from something mm -hmm. do you recall it sounds familiar to like a tng or a tos episode it does doesn't it i was actually yeah. thinking voyager oh because they're wandering through the delta quadrant yes this actually is a line from a poem which is called all that glitters is not gold which uh -huh. is the riddle of strider or aragorn in the fellowship of the ring by J.R.R. tolkien Oh, I thought that was a song by Nickelback. <laughs> All the glitters is gold. Holy yeah. Shit, yeah. Okay, so do you want to hear the poem? Yes, please. It, I would enjoy that very much. The poem reads, All that is gold does not glitter. Uh, not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes of fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. Mm. So that's the... All the glitters is not gold. Yeah. <laughs> the riddle of the Strider. Or Aragorn. Oh, that crownless. Yeah, from the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Alright, so... I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely. That was one of the many sort of pop culture references that I found across this episode. Cool. Did you see some of them? I did. In fact, some of those are what I turned into my backdoor pilot. So we'll get to those in a bit. Okay. I think we covered my proposal for a funniest line. Do you have one? I do. When Mbenga very obviously points out... I imagine sea London's ever scheduled. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. I almost would have put that with... Worse. Well, yes, yes. Sometimes a lot of the lines in this show are very cheesy, but like, I mean, it's Star Trek. Like from the from the start of doing this show, yeah. I mentioned that the cheesiness was a required part of Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe I'm just a bigger fan of uh, dad and uncle jokes. I I'm good with dad jokes as well. You know, I had another line that I found amusing. Okay. Actually, two more lines that I found oh, amusing. Sure. Please share. My well, my favorite line of the episode, I should say, is uh, it comes from Buckley, and it's when he says, <laughs> because he says Kalaka in two different ways. He's like Kalaka Pika Kalaka or Kalaka Pika Kalaka. Yeah, maybe his language is a tonal language. Maybe the same words pronounced differently mean this or two two completely different like things. Agreed. Agreed. Like Vietnamese. 
Another was uh, the presumptuousness of Mbinga with his good nature ribbing towards Spock mm-hmm. when uh, they did a little jump scare with, with Spock while he's leaning down a corridor looking at a, at a hole and that hole, you know, it seems like there's something on the other side, but it's really just probably a rent in the hole that's blowing air across it. And then Pike pops up and Spock jumps and then Mbinga says, oh, I didn't realize you were so jumpy. And they both take a moment to laugh at Spock. Those are all very good uh, suggestions. Would you like my help narrowing it down? I'm going to go with... Oh my God, this is delicious. Okay. From funniest, what about inspirational? My first time through this episode, I struggled finding uh, an inspirational line. Yeah, this is a deep and dark episode. I mean, it was hard for me to find a funniest line too. I found a couple lines that I needed to choose between and then one that was sort of... It caught my interest. It was intriguing, not maybe the most inspirational. Uh-huh. Which was when Chapel says that it's good to get mad sometimes. It's just like a I put an asterisk beside that. Yeah, I kind of agree with that because if you think about it, many people, humans, use their rage to do good things. Their rage for the loss of a crew member could engage their adrenaline a little bit to defeat the enemy. I 100% agree. It is, the emotion is a good driver of, you know, intention and, yeah. and will. Yeah, especially when used appropriately. Sure. I had two inspirational lines, but mm-hmm. they're sort of the same line given by two different characters. Okay. Right. So one of them is when Hammer says, Of course the people you care about are going to cause you pain. It will hurt, but the love it yields will far outweigh the sorrow. Ooh, funny. Interesting. Now, my second one, though, was when Uhura says basically the same thing mm-hmm. toward the end of the episode in Hammer's funeral. Okay. The people you love the most can cause you the most pain. Um, you know, echoing what he said. Yes. But it's the people you love that can mend your heart when you feel broken. Well, interestingly enough, you can't pick your first one because that's mine. Okay. So I will help you pick your second one for your inspirational one. Because we can't, I mean, we can't just have one. So you chose, you chose the Hemmer version? Yeah, the Hemmer to Ahura. Okay, so then so then mine will be the Uhura version in sure. the funeral. Now, I did have a runner-up. A few moments later, in the dark, Captain Pike was talking to La'an, and he said... However long it takes. Come back to us again. Sure, sure, sure. That definitely deserves an honorable mention as well. Sure. So it seems like we are working through all of our polls for this week. Okay. So we have the worst quote and the MVP in the backdoor pilots. Mm-hmm. Yes. I kind of had two worst quotes. Let's do yours first and I'll help you narrow down and then you can do the same with me. Okay. So I thought the worst uh, scene quote thing was when Kirk exclaims, Drink. You owe me drink, Spock. And Spock is like, Another human drink again. Does their number have no limit? And Kirk's like, nope. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on Spock's side. I'm, I get tired of hearing about all these drinking games. <laughs> okay. All right. The other one was just a simple line. When La'an assumes that uh, Mbanga is talking about her when he comes to apologize mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or explain why he called the patient the girl, Newt, I think her name was, 
I think it was her name. Yes, you were correct. Uh, his daughter. Where was the cat all this time, though? Jonesy was left on Earth in the second one. Dang it. Or in orbit, wherever the station that she left. When La'an gets defensive and she says, I'm not being emotional. Which is, of course, an emotional reaction. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I hadn't noticed that. Do you have a preference of those two? So I think that the first one you gave was sort of more like a personal... Observation? Yes. Okay. So I believe the, the second one was La'an. Okay, yes. La'an getting defensive. One was uh, Hemmer when he proposes that it's better to leave than to be the one left behind he yeah and a moment later he says but that's wrong this is probably what you were feeling but this is not the correct way so he even says that that was the worst line yeah he was trying to put into words what his interpretation of what Uhura was telling him wasn't he yes i believe so oh okay he was reflexive listening with her uh-huh Yes, thank you. So I'm hearing you say that you understand that it's I'm hearing you say that I understood that it was reflective listening and was then able to parrot back what they said to make you understand and be ensure that you understood by hearing what you said that mirrored the thing that I was saying. The other one was Pike when he Do says... Do not make me turn this car around. <laughs> I don't know. That, that whole bit about the station wagon, <sighs> I think that might... I, qualified for uh, another funniest line but uh it was very cute but if you didn't like it that's that's oh i didn't say i didn't like it <laughs> i mean i think that sometimes the the cheese line uh -huh. the most pungent cheese of the episode is where i put worst although it's really not the worst it's just the most pungent of the cheese oh okay maybe we should start calling it the impoc it's an acronym oh right okay i was thinking of is, is, that's a vulcan name isn't it that's uh cardassian Oh, okay. What was your backdoor pilot? I'm very curious because there's many there's many uh, things that have already happened that are backdoor piloted from this episode, apparently. Uh-oh. Okay. Have you seen the movie Aliens? I yes, I have. So this that's a that's actually a, a pre-backdoor pilot from oh. this episode. They made this movie called Alien. Yeah. From uh from this episode. Mm -hmm. They they also there was another movie I don't know if you've heard of it it's called Predator. Mm. The special effects team from Predator also worked on this episode. <laughs> and it Predator in the past. <laughs> also they the the musical scoring people they mm. brought them from Jaws. The movie oh. Jaws. The movie Jaws was made after <laughs> this episode. And also um, Skin of Evil. The next generation episode, Skin of Evil, where Riker gets pulled away and he's like, That also is from this episode. I don't know how that Gorn, that little tiny Gorn, could yank a full size person down the hallway like that, unless they were Armus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe the Gorn are part Armus. <laughs> That's what's the form that they're in while they're molting. Maybe the species that left Armus on that planet was the Gorn. Are the Gorn. Uh oh. There's a backdoor pilot right here live on this show. <laughs> Don't pre-figure this out. Yeah, I mean, I was basically just going to call it Star Trek Alien or Star Trek Aliens. Uh-huh. Okay. There's some aspects from both movies. Yeah. Yeah, there are indeed. There's a lot of Alien. There's a lot of Predator. There's a lot of Jaws. And there's that Riker pull. Well, and one thing I just realized about the way that these Gorn 
baby Gorn looked. I'm flashing back to a ad in the previews magazine that talks about the original script to Predator and the anim the illustration for the cover of the first issue looked a lot like these Gorn too. <sighs> so maybe uh, I can't remember his name right now, but yeah, definitely they they remind me of that that predator that version of the predator are these gorn similar to what we saw in enterprise i can't recall i'm gonna have to go back and watch it. i think they're very shadowed okay all right fair enough and it was hard to t- tell because i mean they weren't full-grown they never achieved full-grown adulthood either this is true this is true it's because of the doors all the time do- <laughs> i have a question about the doors Oh, uh, the okay. edge, on the on on Federation starships. Um, so when do they slam shut hard enough to crush your skull, and when do they not? And how do they know the difference of when exactly to do it? <laughs> because I think if 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 Kirk had been a moment too slow pulling uh-huh. Spock out, there would have been two skulls crushed in that door. Oh my! Oh, there was a there was a moment. I, I don't. We don't really have like a funny scene sort of thing, but there sure. was a moment when uh, the Hemmer and Himura and Uhura team, which Uhura dubbed uh, Team Himura. <laughs> they were in they engineering. Yeah, she did say, she said Team Himura. Okay. So, so Pike called down to them and he told them towards the end of their conversation to watch their six. And then immediately when he signed off, they both turned around at, the, at a big booming sound. And I'm like, <laughs> like he said, watch your, yeah. watch your six. Well, that means you stand back to back, and then you can both watch each other's six. Sure, absolutely. Do you have any Q and X? I do. Well, one I just went over. That was when do the doors shut hard, and when do they not, and how do they know the difference? <laughs> yeah. Well, when do they know the difference between staying open longer and 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 closing? When when do they do that? Yes. Why isn't there a timer on how long they stay open for? And why why would the why how, why did it know to open by the motion sensor, but then close for the Gorn when the Gorn was inside of the field of the motion sensor? <laughs> Do, is there like a mechanism above the door that like decides, oh, there's a Gorn coming, I better slam shut. <laughs> Maybe the computer of uh this ship is more intelligent than we realize. It's a different system I I noticed the other day. It's not L cars. It's a different. It's a different system. Yeah. Did you notice the fireplace that's in Pike's quarters? I've noticed it in episodes before. Yes. Where do you think the smoke goes? Into the replicator system, so the carbon can be reused for. Ah, uh, okay. Things they need carbon for. That's brilliant. So his fire, his his fire, his uh, his fire is. Where do you think he gets the wood? Do you think he replicates the wood? The question I had from the first time I ever saw it. Is that a holographic fire? So just like mood lighting. I get the sense I don't think Pike's a holographic fire type guy. Well, he's got the scenery window out his back, out the back of his quarters. Come again? He's got the view screen that always display. It's more set to look like a window, and it's always set to look out into a forest scene or a you know nice scenery rather than out into space. I have to tell you, this is something I haven't noticed. Hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Poor me, I have to watch Strange New Worlds again. <laughs> oh no, the guy that watches it like five times in the same. I do. I very much enjoy this show. Probably closer to ten. As I'm mourning the loss of Chia, the the new lieutenant Himmer yeah. and La- Laon, yeah. I was brought back to 
the moment between Burnham and Arium when we had the moment between Uhura and Hemmer. Mm-hmm. What a spectacular way to, to go, though. Definitely. I mean, I, in fact, mentioning that, we didn't cover MVP yet, and that is why I picked him for my MVP, is he fixed engineering. He fixed the ship. He did. Which, like they mentioned in the recap, is what he feels his life path is, and maybe this specific task was the specific thing that was on his life path that he needed to do. But then he willfully, without any pleading or complaining or anything, walked out into the cold, and he, for a brief time, got a sense of home again, too, because near, you know, when they soon land on the planet, he mentions how, you know, the, this L-class planet is very similar to Andoria. Reminds yes. Andoria. Yes, that was a great touchstone for them to bring at the beginning of the episode and have him go back to and allow us all a little bit of peace that yeah. he died in a place that was, you know, felt like home yeah. and he died doing something that he felt was honorable. Sure, honorable. Right. Also, it had to be either him or the Gorn that were growing inside of him. Mm-hmm. So if he if he had allowed them to let him live, then that he would have been making the choice to kill just them, mm-hmm. and would have had to deal with that choice having being a pacifist, you know, moving forward. But now he doesn't have to deal with any choice of having killed some Gorn babies. Once he got into the cold, when that one slow down there, huh? Interesting point. That's a very interesting point. I don't know how well they would survive out in the cold. I yeah. wonder if he had just like stayed out in the cold there with them. Well, they would have still burst out of him, though. Well, I guess his body would have kept them warm, but uh, yeah, so he would have still died regardless because that other alien did. Yeah, better to die, I guess, falling from a billion feet in the air rather than... <laughs> I mean, I imagine the chest burst happened while he was going down. I, I think I, I thought I remembered it started just before he decided to take this. The... definitely had a lot of stomach gurbling and burbling. Yeah. That was... Uh-oh. Yeah. So, but uh, back to Hammer. I, yes. When that Gorn spit at him, the what was supposedly just an acid or a blinding agent, I was like, totally, that's that's not just acid. That they're, That's how they infect or impregnate. For sure. You and, you and I were of, a, were of a like mind at that yeah. moment. And I'm that's like, when oh, I knew crap. that... Yeah, yeah, that's when I knew that it was confirmed what you had suggested a few episodes ago, which was yeah. that we could possibly lose Hemmer. I didn't think that they would do it, but we have to have some way of getting Scotty onto the ship. Yeah, <laughs> that was another thing I was going to come to, is yeah. is uh, Montgomery Scott going to do his cadet rotation on yeah. Enterprise now? Yeah, he's definitely going to come through soon. They didn't really introduce his character in the first episode until the very, very end, when, and all he does is beam aboard. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I felt like we didn't get a lot of Himmer this season. Yeah. And I would have expected a little more with the line that they had. But I guess, you know, it's it was a pretty good balance of, of having him there and not having him there. And yeah. we didn't focus too much on a character that we're not going to have around anyway, you know? I, uh-huh. I wonder if the actor had a similar situation like Denise Crosby. Oh, I think it was probably a planned thing because I think they're going to... I really do think that they're going to bring... Uh, Montgomery Scott aboard. I think they'll bring Sulu aboard as well at some point. Yeah. Well, wasn't Sulu an ensign? Uh, I believe so. 
So is, you can he, come through as a cadet, is what I'm saying. Yeah, you do I, a cadet rotation there, and then come. I understand, back later. but wouldn't he have started as a cadet much later than? Much, oh, sure, probably. Scotty and Ahura. Yes, but we have time. We're only on season one. Maybe on the season finale of season seven. There's there, there are five is as far as we can go because then Kirk took the ship, I believe. Because this is the second five-year mission of the Enterprise under Pike. Uh So, did you have any other Q&X? I didn't. Oh, we didn't uh, cover your MVP. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. My my MVP for this episode, I'm going to choose La'an. I almost picked her. Just for solving the tactic tactics thing and then you know keeping moving on and moving on yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i think that that was a lot of the reasons why i was considering picking her yeah i enjoyed her scene with chapel in sig bay mm-hmm. where she's like oh you can go ahead and start scanning now and chapel's just standing there like oh okay i'll scan so she has to like storm over there and be like it's you're the scanners in your hand you give me this thing the hell you stand, scan here here i got it here People go poppy, you know. <laughs> and then moments later though uh-huh. hands her a rifle <laughs> like she can't even scan things and you're handing her a loaded gun what the hell wrong show we're not doing that show Hold oh, your yeah. horses. <laughs> so back to QNX. I so far kind of have only thought of one. I, I didn't understand the music reference that Mbenga made. What was the reference? When he came in to talk to La'an to explain calling his patient his daughter. Okay. He made a reference about E sharp or E flat. I don't know if you've ever heard the Third Eye Blind song. Um, uh, what is it called? Uh, do, 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 do. I don't know, but it says uh, the four right chords could make me cry. Mm-hmm. Which is like, there are notes that the human like emotional system responds to. Okay. So like, there are four chords that like for you know an individual, you could play those four chords and they would make them feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like you can mimic emotion by making sounds. Okay. Or encourage emotion by making sounds. Sure. So that's that's all he was referring to. I don't know if he's he may have re- referenced a particular song, but the, that is what he was referring to. Was oh, the, okay. Was the emotionality of music, which kind of says if we couple with the information from the previous episode, which kind of well a couple episodes ago, which says that maybe emotion has a math. If mm-hmm. you can mimic emotion with sound, and sound has numbers, then perhaps the emotions can be put on a chip and placed into a positronic type R android. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, we'll have to send that information to Dr. Sohn. Perhaps. <laughs> oh, the poll results are in. They are. <laughs> that is indeed what that sound means. We have polls this episode for Strange New Worlds episode 108, which was the Elysian Kingdom. So what were the results, Doctor? First, we have a query. Response. Considering the Elysian author, can we assume a connection between Rukaya and the Celestial Temple Prophets? Mm. The choices were definitely some sort of connection. Okay. And the other choice was, no, there is no connection at all. You're crazy. We're making it up. (laughs) Was there a third choice? With one vote. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. 
We're 100% sure here on Twitter that there is definitely a connection. Okay. This is a huge victory for the good guys. Whose vote was that? It was mine. Oh. <laughs> well, that might have had two votes if I could have find, found it. Those are generally least on our producer's personal Twitter. Mm. They seem to get a little more reach that way. I see. We had an MVP for uh, for the episode of the Alessian Kingdom. Oh. And your proposal was Hemmer for being all sciencey, solving the thing. Okay. Um, my proposition was the costume and set designers who implemented this episode uh, beautifully. Yes. And with 75% of four votes, the science wizard has won for MVP of the Alessian Kingdom. Woo! We had a an most inspirational quote that we proposed from last episode. Yeah. One was Joseph when he says, You shall not touch my daughter, or I will bring the might of my kingdom down upon mm. your head. And the other choice was Rakaya when she says, You did the right thing. With 100% of one vote, <laughs> Joseph Mbinka has won for most inspirational quote of the episode. I think we can count that as two votes, 100% of vote. We shall. Okay. For the worst quote of the episode, your proposal was uh, Sir Armand Routh saying that he was... Mine was Hemmer saying that he was going to unleash the full power of my powerful wizard powers. And with 80% of five votes, Prince Armand Routh has won. <laughs> now, yes, sir. with our final poll, from the Elysian Kingdom, mm -hmm. we are talking about what was the funniest quote from the episode. Yes. There were three choices. Ooh. One was Hemmer when he says once again, The magic of science <laughs> prevails. Another was Ortegas when she asks, Are you going to say the thing? <laughs> and the third was Spock when he suggests that perhaps you did indeed jinx it. With 71.4% of seven votes. Yeah. Hemmer has won with funniest quote of the episode. <laughs> Interestingly, Spock received 0% of that vote. Really? Yes. I thought that quote was one of the proposed worst lines. Perhaps it was. Mm. Perhaps that's why no one voted for it. Uh, My supposition was correct then. Was that all of them? All the polls? That was the polls for Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode 108, The Elysian Kingdom. Did you enjoy this episode? I liked this episode a great deal. I felt like I was watching a season finale. Yes, I agree. I could wonder how much better or gripping the next episode will be. I wonder if it's going to be, you know, a fun wrap-up episode where we don't have to be in dread for however much time until season two comes or whether they're going to try to tie us through. I mean, I'm already watching. Like, you don't have to, like, glue me to it. I'm already glued there. <laughs> so, like, you really don't have to give yeah. me too much suspense. But they could give yeah. me a little bit. You know, they, we could do a two-parter, or that a two-parter might be out of character for Strange New Worlds. There wasn't very many in the original series. D yes, this is true. So what was the rating that you gave it? I'm giving this episode 96.25.3 quadlets. <laughs> okay. Well, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, and I it had to rate it somewhere above the first episode because... Okay. I thought it deserved it, so I'm pretty sure this number breached that. 
some high scores for this episode. <laughs> Apparently, Jack and Dorino give their seal of approval. Ding. Jack and Dorino? I mean, oh yeah, you you too. <laughs> Jack and Dorito give their seal of approval and curl. Ding. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's our show. That's it. That's the whole thing. I can't wait for the next episode. The next episode that I'm excited for us to review will be the season one finale of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which arrives on Thursday, July 7th, and is entitled A Quality of Mercy. A Quality? There's a quality to mercy? So, if you recall, there's an episode called Errand of Mercy. Oh, right. I believe that featured Romulans. I do believe that this is what we're referencing with this title. There's a, a Romulan thing that we're about to go through. Which I'm really excited about. Well, I, I, we, we just can't see him face to face. With the Romulans? This is true. We yeah. can see their starships, though. Yes. Well, everybody, that's a wrap on our show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, until next time, stay positive, dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Join Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3Bird. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. Just like Andoria. Do not weep for me. I've had a good life.